0: Thank you for listening to This Is Your Normal. I am your host, Bob Ohms. In this episode, we will hear from Dr. Lisa Piskara Kovach. doctor Pescara Kovach is a professor of educational psychology at the University of Toledo, where she serves as director of the Center for Education in Mass Violence and Suicide and chair of the Mass Violence Collaborative. Lisa has her B.A. in psychology, M.A. in experimental psychology, and Ph.D. in experimental psychology with a minor in child clinical psychology. In addition to her work at the university, she served on the advisory board of the National Association of Behavioral Intervention and Threat Assessment from 2017 until 2021, and has since moved on to the advisory board of the International Association of Care and Threat Teams. doctor Piskara Paskar-Kovac's international and national peer review and invited presentations include, but are not limited to, the topics of suicide and homicides related to bullying victimization, behavioral threat assessment, and prevention through postvention in school, campus, and workplace shootings. She is certified in psychology, autopsy, mental health first aid, as well as group and individual critical incident stress management. Please enjoy this episode of This Is Your Normal. Lisa, thank you very much for joining This Is Your Normal. How are you today?
1: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. How are you? I have
0: been looking forward to meeting you for quite some time now. Thanks. And uh, we'll just get right into why I reached out to you. Um, I personally have been working on um, some anger issues. And Mm -hmm. I have been looking to talk to somebody not about my anger issues, more about how society treats anger. Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing led to another. We have a mutual friend, Serena, um, who introduced us. And um, come to find out, you have quite quite an extensive, uh, I guess, knowledge and research based on this. Um, as we learned in the introduction, you are the, clarify that for me, your exact position at the University of Toledo.
1: Oh, I'm actually, I'm a professor of educational psychology, and I'm the director for the Center for Education and Mass Violence and Suicide.
0: Right. Yes. That's what I was going for. Um, I know it's a
1: long, long title. So it's <laughs> a long good. title.
0: Right. I, know. Um, I
1: forget the name of the center sometimes myself. <laughs> I got you.
0: <laughs> so point being is um, I'm just looking to talk about anger, which yeah. is just this little seed over here. Yeah. And after having a brief discussion with you, I'm realizing how that little tiny seed of anger can really grow into something oh. that affects hundreds of people. Um, you know, with these mass shootings and, um, even suicide, how it affects a family and friends and a whole school district, things like that. Yeah. Um, Communities. Mm -hmm. So anger and normalcy, um, I kind of want to get to the root of anger. If that's okay with you, we'll start there. Um, and then we will kind of transfer ourselves into the bigger, you know, thing that grows from that. And how mm-hmm. we can prevent and treat each other um, with awareness right, uh, to, right? to help prevent some of these things that are tragic.
1: Mm-hmm. Definitely.
0: So you can do that. Um, okay. Sounds <laughs> will, good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot really quick. Sure. Can you just give me a quick definition in your own words of how you define anger?
1: Well, for me, anger is a, it's a biologically already predetermined emotion that we have. You know, we come into the world even as, as infants, able to recognize different facial expressions. So we recognize joy, surprise, um, we recognize distress, we recognize anger. Mm-hmm. And it's if if this wasn't a normal biological function, we would not come into the world able to make an angry face and or able to recognize it as an emotion, as just this innate basic emotion is what you know Charles Darwin used to refer to. And, you know, like I said, there's, there are many of these, um, disgust is even one of them, making a face of disgust. Uh, so if it was atypical to be angry, it would be something what, that was, you know, just a learned behavior, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, nature and nurture when it comes to anger. Um, and we talk about, when we talk about uh, violence, there's a couple types of violence and one is affective. And affective violence, when somebody acts out aggressively on that anger, you can see it on them. You can see the red face, you know, looks like their blood pressure's high. There may be saliva coming out of their mouth, but you can see affective violence, affective, you know, this anger emotion. And then you have predatory. Predatory violence is a little, they're oftentimes past the anger point and just resolve themselves to, I'm so numb to this now I'm going to act on it, but I'm going to do it in a very quiet way when it happens. Don't get me wrong. It'll be incredibly violent, but they're ready for it. Right. So, um, it's, it's a complex emotion, but to, to think for a second that something's wrong with somebody who, who feels the anger, um, is so wrong. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's there and it's, you know, it doesn't have to be detrimental, but we're failing people, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I agree by not
1: acknowledging that.
0: I agree. Um, that's one of the things that I kind of really. The more I got in tune with my anger mm-hmm. and um, trying to dig deeper about, you know, what's causing my anger and how yeah. I'm reacting versus responding. Sure. Um, was that a lot of people just kind of. Would push maybe push away like hey you're angry I don't want to be around you when you're angry you yeah. know I don't want I don't want to hear about it you know you're you're complaining I don't want to hear I don't you know just kind of push away push away push away push away Um, and then I'm but I'm I've never been the type of person who uh, bottles up and I always felt like yeah. that's what society is trying to tell me to do is to bottle things up
1: they they are and um, if you look at males males are the least likely to uh, show their emotions, whatever it may be. And so physiologically that, that will kill you sooner than many things. I mean, having that stress and carrying it is, is attributed, you know, the attributable to like all kinds of things with heart disease and, and not just anxiety, but really taking a toll on your body. So the fact that people don't say, Bob, why are you angry? Can I help you process this? Even as a friend, like what's yeah. going on? That's what we need to do instead of get away from me, get away instead of saying, you know, this is, it's pretty normal, but at the same time, I'm worried about you because you seem really upset what's going on and we don't let like, you right. Not everybody will take that minute to do that mm-hmm. and then it just gets worse and then you can feel very isolated. And so that very anger that started gets worse and worse and worse.
0: Hmm. One of the things that I've been somewhat comprehending and uh, more reflecting about mm-hmm. is the fact that when I am being angry about whatever yeah. it is, um, yeah. I do feel vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the um, the person who may be within that vicinity, Mm -hmm. is not willing to make themselves vulnerable at that time by asking like, Hey, what, I see something's going on here. Like what is going on? Yeah. So It's kind of like my, my vulnerability is making them vulnerable. So stop, stop making me feel vulnerable. Get away from me.
1: Makes perfect sense. So do you feel like they're, they don't care? Is that sort of the feeling you get? Well, if you cared, you would ask, is that sort of what you mean there?
0: A little bit. It could be yeah. part of that. Um, one of the, you know what? I think it was. I'll paraphrase so okay. for the listeners, but I'm pretty okay. sure it came from uh, Tara Brock, and okay. she mentioned um, basically like anger is the result of unmet needs.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, sure is. So Perfect.
0: that's that's kind of where like where my reflection comes from is that when I start to feel angry, I start to think, well, what? what needs of mine are being unmet. Um, And same thing with my kids. I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old and I've uh, taught them how to be angry. No, (laughs) I mean, in a way (laughs) I'm I'm starting to see like, you know, and this, that's part of why I'm trying to go down the uh, self-improvement journey that I am is because I can already see how my kids uh, respond with anger the same way I did. Yeah, and maybe I can help them out a little bit.
1: You know, and I'm I'm smirking and I'm not smirking because I find it amusing. I'm, what you're saying is so accurate. Um. You know, maybe it's because you've modeled that behavior and they've seen it but it's more likely that that's your temperament and what we talk about in psychology we teach a lot of psych courses and you know we talk about temperament and it's the building block of your later personality and we tend to you know research suggests people tend to be easy um, slow to warm up or what they used to call difficult which we now call spirited so you're maybe more spirited because okay. things that you do you know you you're intense Mm -hmm. And so they used to say to to parents who took their kids to this research, they'd say, you know, um, I'm sorry, but you have a difficult child. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Instead of just saying this is sort of how you're wired. And the irony is when you're talking about other people, the irony is you're willing to change. But those other people, especially when you're a child, they need to meet you halfway to see what it is that they can do to help you because that's innately sort of who you are and I'm not excusing that so don't you think that's a pass (laughs) being really mad but you know that's part of who you are and you're fiery or whatever and I'm Italian and I get that same thing Um, and in fact my two of my daughters their first pretty clear words were cuss words, like literally okay. frustrated when they were frustrated, they used some of the same terms I did. Yeah. And I was like in a hurry or something, you know, like, Oh, and they'd say it. Mm-hmm. And I was just taking aback. And then I realized that's me. They're not only yeah. feeling my feelings, but they sound like me too. Um, so there's that two parts. So, you know, working with your kids is so important.
0: I'm glad you yeah. talked about that, that intense, um, because that's, that is how I feel sometimes. Yeah. And I am drawn to intense things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Risk-taking and,
1: behaviors, things like that. Intense people, intense subject matter, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's.
1: You're you not know. knitting.
0: Probably. <laughs> <laughs> no. Needlepoint. <laughs> no. Um, but Neither I do I. feel <laughs> that I. I I bring the intensity and when I'm yeah. not met with any intensity, it only infu- it, it fuels my intensity Yeah, because <laughs> it's yeah, like, well, no. I, it's not working kind of thing. yeah,, um, yeah. which I yeah. think is gonna kind of lead us down the path of sure is. Um, anger and needs not being met mm-hmm. Let's talk about really quick because I think this is a good term um, frustration. is frustration less? then anger. How do those two words work? Frustration
1: together? leads to anger. Frustration okay. leads to aggression. And there's something called the frustration aggression hypothesis, which basically says a person can only handle so much before they act out on that frustration and that feeling, you know, because you get frustrated and then it's just this feeling of uneasiness and it's just, you're sort of out of sorts. And then you start thinking about what's frustrated you And that can switch to anger real quick. And that turns into aggression very quickly too. Um, You know, and it's oftentimes when we see odd displays of aggression, like, wow, that came out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, It's not that thing their person is mad at. So, you know, they're throwing something at the end, throwing something down because they can't open a jar. It's Mm -hmm. not the jar, right? It's whatever has led up to that moment where this is just the icing on the cake. You know, so um, frustration is huge, huge. And the ability to not be able to air your frustration while being heard is is very problematic, too.
0: Okay. Let's dive deeper into the frustration because it seems like that's a little bit of a a root cause. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. So let's just kind of broaden our horizons a little bit with frustration leading to creating violent acts. So. Uh, We went to basically being frustrated, to getting angry about it. Yeah. How does that really, what's that transition from going to frustration, to anger, to being violent?
1: You know, it's often, at least for these individuals, it's often a series of events, a chain of events. So we talk about adverse childhood experiences. They can be anything from watching your parents argue, you know, factors in the home, factors in the community. Things that are just going to sort of poverty, financial struggles as a child, watching that happen, seeing that conflict with your family, um, these non-normative life events. So something life altering that you really just didn't expect to happen to you. Mm -hmm. That's not how life, you know, we always think that's not how life is supposed to be, um, but those things do happen. So we've got some of that going on, but then these people are bringing their their feelings, it may be start out at sadness, you know, and they bring their feelings into school and no one's there. So it may be Think of a male who cries in school. What's going to happen. They're going to get ridiculed. So then they get bullied. Then they're known as the kid who cries in school. Um, I was one of them. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, and probably in the reason is you were probably angry and because as a child, you don't have an emotional vocabulary to say, this is how I'm feeling. I'm feeling this way. And somebody helped me. Um, so, you know, they go into school and I'm going to, I'm going to use an actual example. I'm going to use the uh, Parkland shooter and kind of his okay. life. And his life was, he was born to um, a woman who was, I think, um, had some substance use, big substance use issues. So she gave him up for adoption. He was adopted into this perfect family right so he had a great mom great dad very close to his family to his parents I, apparently according to what i've read the father just lived for him and then when he was 5 years old everything's going smooth he's 5 years old he's talking to his dad and is they're watching tv and his dad dies massive heart attack right in front of him right in front of him so he walks into the um kitchen and he's trying to get it out to his mom and she's just sort of like i don't know what's going on and they go in and and this that was huge right he, mm-hmm. you never expect first of all as a child your father to die when you're 5 years old and then secondly right in front of you so he then became fascinated with death right because mm-hmm. as you're a kid you don't i want to know what happened where did he go what's yeah. going on and uh so when he would talk about death at school label weirdo oddball Odd duck, you know, and he wasn't a particularly like what society would say, good looking kid, which is terrible to hear. Right. But that is not something that's going to set you up for people saying, let me help you, which is shallow of humans, but that's how things often work everywhere. Right. And so ugh, <laughs> I hate that. Um, so he's in school and he's one, they're calling him funny looking kid. Number two, you know, he's fascinated with death. Um, at one point, he actually brought a dead bird into school, um, and they had some conversations. You know, some teachers and some conversations, and um, then he would quote freak people out by staring at them. But did anyone ever ask him what was going on? Probably not. And if they did, more more or less for discipline purposes, right? Mm-hmm. You you shouldn't be bringing this to school. You shouldn't. You know, you're scaring the other kids, but never what happened that's making you fascinated with death or talk about these things or staring at this person when they're, when they're talking about their father, you know? Um, So he just carried this whole labeling and this bullying. And and meanwhile, he's bullied his parents while he's younger, decide to adopt a brother for him and who destroys him physically Mm -hmm. almost every day. Won't be friends with him, beats him up constantly. So he's got no no safe haven. Dad's gone. You know, he's got this brother who lives there who treats him terribly, goes to school, same thing. But he has his mom, right? So he's got his mom. She's the only thing keeping him from going way over the edge with his anger. Cause he's getting what we call it is injustice collecting. So he's collecting these things in his head, right? Okay. I my real mom gave me away. That's you know, the way he's thinking of it. My dad just died. My brother's here and he's mean to me. I go to school and this is what's going on. And he's collecting these almost like a tally, like a checklist. And then the icing on the cake, the, his mom dies of pneumonia. So he has nothing, nothing, nothing. So he also has nothing to lose Mm -hmm. when he goes into school with his weapons And he cried out for help. I mean, they tried to put him into another school. Um, He didn't want to go to the other school. He was like begging to stay at his home school because that's what he was familiar with. But no. So they take him out for a while. And this is what happens. Meanwhile, he's still collecting that. That's an injustice. You couldn't even keep me here with these people. I just want to connect with these people. It's probably what he's thinking. Nobody cared.
0: Is it safe to say almost in a way he, even though he was being mistreated, he created some sort of comfort level to that mistreatment?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think once, you know, he's labeled when you're labeled and he was the future school shooter, Mm. why not? Why not act on it? What they think you're going to do it anyway. And that's sort of what happened. You you expect this of me anyway. So just watch me work. Now you've pushed me to where I'm really going to do this. And I don't want to live I don't want to be here. And I am going to take all of you out who make me feel like I don't deserve to be here, who were never there for me. And I'm going to get my guns and I've been powerless for all these years. And now watch me. I will be the most powerful thing you've seen in this school building to date. Sure enough. And that's how it works all the time, really. I mean, it's always this sort of, here we go, you know, and For me, when you talk frustration for me and I can my, my, what tends to set me off is when these things happen. And I know that we know better. We know what's doing this. And here we are scratching our heads, people saying it just doesn't happen here. Yes, it does. It can happen anywhere. And what are you doing when you're seeing these kids struggling and suffering when they're really little that won't put them on this path? Nothing sometimes is the answer.
0: But it's kind of, um, it's not just like the school. It's not just parenting. It all kind of blends together.
1: Yeah. And workplace is the same situation, Mm -hmm. depending upon, you know, if you have a, a workplace where you have a supervisor who's just on you nonstop, and it's just you, not the other people. And maybe you're a loner and they make fun of you because you're whatever it is. No one is entitled to do anything like that but they do it anyway. Right. And when they do it, if someone's already been on a trajectory where things aren't going well, you know, financially with a marriage, with whatever, it just builds and builds and builds, you know, we're just, it's the perfect storm that kind of comes together and someone makes this decision. It's just frustrating because it is so predictable at this point. I mean, the secret service has a list of, we don't profile, but but we know Mm -hmm. what's going to build literally what's kind of going to build someone, uh, how, how to build a school shooter. It's almost a recipe book. And yet no one listens. um, Because again, no one wants to acknowledge. I, and I hate to, I don't say, you know, no, there are people, right. But many times when this does happen, it's that nobody did take that time to say, why are you crying in school? Why are you so mad? Why are you? Nope. Everybody's going on their merry way and just reinforcing the fact that, yeah, what I believe to be true is true. There's a lot of injustice in my life and nobody's helping me. So that's kind of where we come. We call it injustice collecting. Honestly.
0: That brings me to something that I've been thinking about and uh, it's somewhat almost embarrassing to admit. um, But I mean, I, I have had violent thoughts, you mm-hmm. know, like, um, you know, man, this guy, I just want to punch him in his yep. face, or you know, I want to well, hurt that, that be individual. Embarrassing.
1: It happens,
0: you know. Um, yeah, and uh, I mean, we can go back a little bit in school. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was in a few scuffles in high school, um, mm-hmm. and as an adult now, I <laughs> realized they mishandled those situations. Yep. Um, But, you know, let's just fast forward to an adult um, where I realized, fortunately, in those few scuffles in high school, that those scuffles didn't really do anything. It didn't stop it, Yeah. you know, the way I was being treated, Um, which brings me to this concept and um, just would like your, I guess, um, professional uh, idea of about what prevents me from... What really prevents me from punching that person in the face? I think the violent thought, but I really don't do it. Is there, is this yeah. um, more of a condition, a behavior conditioning thing? Or is it what, what separates me who a few times in my life I've had some seriously violent things, but never acted on it. Uh, versus the person who actually goes and shoots somebody.
1: You've had, I mean, sounds like the age you were in where you, Let me guess. This was probably a situation where this person was nonstop bothering you or something. And you finally said, I'm finished with this. And you, right? Yeah. When you got in fights when you were younger and uh, it happens all the time. One of the conversations I have with schools all the time is when this happens, don't you dare suspend both students. Mm -hmm. Look at what's going on here. I guarantee the second person to throw the punch or even if you throw the punch first because the person looked at you and you're so used to that person bothering you, that second person has probably been suffering at the hands of the other one. Get to the root of what the heck is going on. Acknowledge why that happened. Do something to make sure that doesn't happen again. Not get rid of this person and suspend because at that age, your, your frontal lobe isn't developed. I mean, you don't have that impulse control area right here, your prefrontal cortex. There's mm-hmm. nothing really saying, don't do it. Don't mm-hmm. do it. Don't do it. Whereas as an adult, when you're about mid-20s and up, you have that, don't do it. Don't do it. So that's part of it. It's just mm-hmm. that normal development. But, but if you're the same age and one person acts on it and another doesn't, it's just typically... It's oftentimes just that one catalyst. Like, where are you mentally when that button gets pushed? Do you know you can go home and talk to somebody about it? That's great. Mm-hmm. Can you not? Also, are you struggling with money? Also, are you? You know, again, a sort of sense of I've got nothing to. I have nothing, so I have nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. And and that's sort of why you know I think some people act on. They just feel so lonely. And isolated and unheard, unheard. Mm-hmm.
0: I like that, the injustice collecting. I guess mm. yeah. that's that's a new term to me. So that's, yeah. I mean, that's for sure something I've never really, uh, yeah, had to think too much about.
1: Um, and you know, I, when I'm teaching this subject matter, initially, you know, students are just looking at me like I've lost my mind when I say I get, I get it. Mm-hmm. I want to see if you understand this, but I get it. And it's okay if they disagree and think these people are, you know, I don't, I can't even remember some of them. You know, the minute this happens, these kids are labeled crazy, nuts, out of control, this, like, no, that's not, that's not it. There's a lot going on in their lives that you don't understand. And so I don't want them to hold on to that false understanding, because if they believe that that's the case, if this person was just bad from the beginning... They're not going to even notice or want to help their students to prevent anything. They're just going to give up on the students that show these emotions from a young age. And we can't do that. You really need to. I think I wish more people would just take a step back, like you're doing right now, and like processing this and and understanding this. I don't know. I probably, maybe I would feel different if this was my child. Um, You know, if my child, one of my kids lost their lives. I'm sure I'd have the anger and I do have the anger. When I see this, I'm not excusing the behavior by any means, mm-hmm. but I get what led there. And I, I get as frustrated with the people that were in that child's life that did nothing on the way there. That's the piece of it. Because again, as I mentioned, the majority of, of especially the young shooters, they want to die. You know, they want to die. They are suicidal and homicidal. Mm. And they they've suffered for so long that they want everybody to anybody that had a part in that. So, yeah, I mean, I just, I can, I understand it, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's almost, you know, like a laundry list of things that they, and they're not, sometimes they're perceived injustices, but a lot of times, if you look at some of these kids, most of them didn't play sports. Most of them didn't do well in school. They weren't, like I said, you're, traditionally attractive person so they may not have had a lot of friends may not have had a, a love like a girlfriend or a love interest boyfriend whatever nothing none of that so they're really alone and I, it sounds so cliche but like a teacher could help make the difference just by noticing how are you today how's everything going just want you to know i've been thinking about this this is a great assignment whatever it takes to, so that person doesn't feel so invisible
0: right? Isolated, alone. Yeah.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
0: A lot to think about there. Mm -hmm. Let's go, let's stay on the school topic, bullying, taunting, (laughs) that kind of stuff. Um, What made me think about this is I just read an article on ESPN uh, where they, um, in my opinion, have a great uh, new policy. Um, This is, I'm going to read from the ESPN article. Um, it says the emphasis by the NFL to discourage acts of taunting or disrespect when you direct actions towards the opponent or his bench will continue. Uh, officials are instructed to call files on actions that demonstrate that disrespect. Avoid any actions where you approach an opponent or his bench and gesture, posture, or otherwise demonstrate any verbal or physical form of disrespect. Disrespect. Mm -hmm. And this is the, uh, quote by the, uh, president of officiating and training development, Walt Anderson. And Mm I, I, I'm happy to see this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's progress. Yeah, that
0: is because I think that's, I mean, if we, we mentioned about, you know, there's, there's things that are going on at school, there's things that are going on at home, but then what are these kids watching? And what are they being exposed to?
1: Yeah. And what about the person sitting there who's getting taunted? Right. Mm -hmm. I think of that even if they get up like those baseball fight, the MLB fights that ensue like, whoa, what is happening? And how many of them are just bringing pure raw emotion from everything else going on? Like, yes, I get to do this. Right. And it has nothing to do with the team or the call or whatever. So just trying to get that in place is important. I I don't know their policy, but they should have same team, you know, restrictions too, Mm -hmm. right? You can't mistreat your own teammates. You can't, you know, do any anything that would hurt your own teammate. Mm -hmm. Psychologically think about it. There's these superstar players and these guys that never see play. How are they being treated? I don't know. You know, so yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> I've never, I didn't even know that was happening with the NFL, but I love Yeah.
0: It. Well, and the, it. it's a big controversy because they're uh, giving too many of these penalties out.
1: Hey, too bad. Right.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, oh, wow. and the way I, I just love getting to the root of things. So yeah. um, what is bullying? For me? Yeah. For you.
1: Uh, Bullying is repeated intentional behavior that is geared toward another individual uh, for the purpose of harm, whether it be physical harm, psychological harm. Um, And it is, that's the only purpose. It's often uh, repetitive. We think of it being repetitive and there's usually an imbalance of power so that power doesn't have to be physical power. That power can be social status or being the boss of someone, or you know, among those lines. But it's just repeatedly hurting someone who um, is in an inferior sort of position and not able to defend himself or herself. Or you know, um, that's kind of my definition. And it can be physical, verbal, relational, and cyber. So, you know, the, the physical and the verbal are pretty obvious when they're happening. You can mm-hmm. hear it. You can see it. Relational is when someone's just ignored all the time, mm-hmm. all the time, sits alone at lunch, never spoken to, isolated for whatever reason. Um, relational is also gossiping about somebody and spreading rumors. And then, like I said, there's this, um, cyber stuff that can be either calling someone names on the internet, right? Um, commenting on pictures. We've also had a lot of instances where people create fake social media profiles
0: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: and attack other people while pretending to be the person they're bullying actually. Mm-hmm. So the person that they take on their persona it gets hated by everyone because that person has impersonated them, you know so uh, just yeah, I mean, it's just pervasive. it's not conflict is different. You know, and I think a lot of school districts get frustrated because parents sometimes storm into school when it's just conflict and conflict is, I don't have to like everyone and you don't, you don't have to like everyone, Mm -hmm. but when you go out of your way to make it really clear to someone that you don't like them over and over again, that's kind of where bullying comes into place, right? Mutual disagreement that's going to happen.
0: What are your thoughts on, um, I've always heard the saying like bullies were bullied, They're usually probably bullied from a parent, a relative.
1: Yeah, that's part of it. I mean, you know, authoritarian parents is a parenting style that we think of, you know, in conjunction with bullying. And they're the power mongers, you know, this is what you do in my house because I said so. Mm -hmm. You know, this is my house. You did this, you did that. Um, So we see, you know, kids that feel powerless at home want to be powerful somewhere else, Mm -hmm. right? So they're, um, let Mm -hmm. me show you, what it feels like. And they've learned all those tactics at home from whoever they're afraid of. And they use them in that school building. Just And they sound just like that person. Similarly with the girls, the gossipy moms about people, girls go in and do the same thing. But that side of it is oftentimes permissive parents. Those parents that are like, oh, my baby would never do this. My baby was perfect. My baby would never do that. That's a permissive parent who excuses everything their child does. So they know, look, if I go to school and I tell Sarah that I don't like her outfit and she's stupid, I'm entitled to that opinion. I mean, that's, that's where this permissive parenting leads. Like you cannot develop empathy if you're in a household where no one says you can't say that to someone, or you can't do that to somebody because they're, they look at you when they're called out on it. Like I used to do a lot of, um, interventions in schools when this kind of stuff would happen. And I'm telling you, oftentimes I would look into the eyes of primarily females involved in relational aggression, like they, and they had no soul, honestly, it was just, they'd kind of do the head tilt, like, what do you mean? You know, do you understand that what you did hurt her? What do you mean? I mean, you can't just go about saying those things to people. People are fragile and you just, you're not entitled to that. Well, she could walk away. Uh, I mean, just really can't get it. Yeah. You cannot penetrate this shell. And soon enough, here comes mom. Um, no, not my child. That girl provoked her and forget it. It's a lose-lose when, when you have a permissive parent, right?
0: Yeah. And that parent's probably so, telling you not to talk to their child like that.
1: Oh, yes. Because <laughs> oh, their child is perfect.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs> yeah. So we've right. got that. We've got the entitled feeling that often leads to this. Or we have just the exact opposite. And the other thing that gets to me is when I hear um kids need to just defend themselves, get up, stand up, defend yourself, shove back. Well, you already know if you do that, you're gonna get in trouble. Mm-hmm. But also think about the kids that are in households where no one's home when they get home from school, no one's home when they, you know, they're eating alone their parents never say, I'm proud of you for doing well, nothing. They don't really have a lot of self-confidence, right? Because they were not told that you're accomplishing things. I love you. I'm proud of you. None of that's happening. So they're not going to say, no, I'm not stupid. No, I'm not, you know, or they just don't have it in them to stand up for themselves. Because if you tell them they're, they're not smart, or if you tell them they're whatever, they believe it because they've never up to that moment a parent or an adult or anyone say, I love you the way you are. They're going to believe that whatever these kids at school that I spend six hours with every day, if they tell me that I'm dumb or if they tell me that I, whatever, then I guess it's true. No self-confidence, no self-worth.
0: Do you think it's a genera- generational shift? Um, I'm thinking about those parents who don't say, I love you to the child or I'm proud of you they probably didn't hear it either. No,
1: no, they didn't. They don't know how to do it. And I get so frustrated when I hear, well, I was parented this way and I'm fine, but you're not fine. And it's okay to not be fine. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't have to do the best rule of thumb is remember how you felt when somebody did that to you, how did it feel? And try to work really hard to make sure that your kids don't feel that. Because you're not, a, you can't possibly be okay, honestly. And, you know, not in this, I'm being pretty harsh the way I'm saying it, mm-hmm. but saying it in a, in an understanding, you know, convey it nicely. But yeah, I mean, it's, it doesn't have to be that cycle doesn't have to repeat itself. You know,
0: I, I do people, know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right I mean, where I'm I, at is, yeah. is um, trying to not repeat cycles.
1: Yeah. Um, and, and it's very hard. Because again, the biology of it's hard, right? The yeah. whatever you're carrying, this intensity is difficult, and because it defines part of who you are. So that part you're carrying. And then you've had that whoever is you're looking at, they're modeling the behavior, and you're looking and you're just soaking it in like a sponge. And so that's what you're learning all the time. It's just so. You don't, as a child, you're not intentionally studying the behavior. It just gets in there. Mm-hmm, that's yeah. all, you know, that's all, you know, a huge commendable thing to do is say, I can't do this to my family. You know, I, I right. can or, or you may not realize that it's as bad as it is and somebody has to bring it up to you. And it may, and, and usually that's a wall that goes up. Like, what are you talking about? And you get even more angry. And it takes a few times for that person to say, listen, you know, I I can't do this anymore. It takes a lot sometimes for people to change and, and you know, repeatedly, because we're very defensive of our emotions, especially men, I think are, can be very defensive of their emotions. And so, um, men don't have emotions. Come on. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Well, this makes me just think about, I mean, this is exactly what we're talking about. I guess what I'm looking at is defining that moment where you're taking what is normal to you yes. and saying, "I want to change this normal. Um, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to break that cycle, kind of thing. I really don't have. Um, since I've been talking about my own like personal journey and whatnot, yeah. I really don't have." an exact moment or you why uh, yeah. to explain to you like, well, what, what was it that made you want to break the cycle? That's always fascinating to me. Like when, when people make lifestyle changes, it's kind of like uh, the perfect, you mentioned perfect storm. It's like that perfect storm of lifestyle change for the positive versus the negative.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I find that interesting, you know, that you, you can't think of a single epiphany like oh my gosh look where i am right now um and because i'm not in the heads of uh, i'm not in your head you mm-hmm. know so it's but something about it also must have made you not feel good All Right, so you're yeah. hurting other people but right. there was something about it that you realized you were on a path somewhere you didn't want to be and uh you realized that Perhaps self destruction was the next thing for
0: you. And you, oh, yeah, I love self destruction.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, people, yeah. people engage in what we call self handicapping all the time. <laughs> well, I might as well do this. Well, I might as well do that. Or I might not, I might as well not even try that. I might, you know, because you're already sort of judging yourself. And there's even something like self stigma. Like if someone says, well, men can't do this. Then you start like, well, gosh, maybe I am weak for wanting to own up to my emotions. Yeah. You know, like, no, you're not. Yeah, it's, strong. it's tough to change. It's terrifying to change who you are fundamentally. It's terrifying because you've only known this life the yeah. way it's been. Terrifying. So for me, that's the most courageous thing is saying, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing this. I can't do this to myself. I can't do this in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, to anyone. Um, and I want to be that, I don't want to be this kind of dad or this kind of partner or whatever. Right.
0: Well, I think and more that we're talking about it, uh, the one thing that's kind of underlying in my thought process right now is, um, powerlessness. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've done, um, previous episodes on addiction and, yeah. um, I'm over 16 years of sobriety. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, that was my first true dose. Congratulations, um, Jesus! Awesome. Thank you. Um, my first true dose of like really feeling powerless over something.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and then you know, just as a, uh, a a lifestyle thing, I've always struggled with obesity, and mm-hmm. there's that whole powerlessness thing. Yeah. Um, and I think I guess the third caveat would be that when it comes to anger and mm-hmm you know, um, I am married and have two kids. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I live in a household of four and there are three other things, including myself can cause anger in me. And I, I think that's what really started to, um, help me pinpoint that there's something I need to work on is because that old friend of mine, that powerlessness feeling started to come back.
1: Yeah, that is not a good feeling. you don't have to tell me this, but in your childhood, um, like, were you fearful of a parent or both parents? Were you, um, you know, mistreated?
0: Uh, um, that's a great question. I had one of those life altering events, which this actually brings up another episode. I did an episode on death, um, okay. where I interviewed a friend of mine, Pam Shabilsky, who's a um, A grief therapist, uh, hospice chaplain. So um, Mm -hmm. my dad uh, died when I was just before 14. It was two weeks before my 14th birthday. And he was uh, sick with kidney failure up until that point. Um, So it was kind of weird. It was a lot of, um, I would call it it, it, definitely there was trauma. So there were moments of like complete bliss and moments of um, like, dad's getting sick and there's some adult stuff going on. So you, you don't need to know what's going on kind of thing. So it's like a, a huge mix of everything. Okay. Toss in Making some sense. trauma. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so,
1: you know, that trauma like that
0: mm-hmm.
1: can put you in a constant fight or flight mode. Yeah. yeah. Which explains a lot of your behavior, right? It's the just intense. constant, just yeah. constant fight or flight. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, uh, it's how you use that, you know, how do I channel it? Because you're literally rewired. Honestly, mm-hmm. your brain's being wired and it's getting rewired the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Not that it, there's anything, but it happens to a lot of people who've had trauma. It's things that are being formed and developed really quickly during a time when your brain is just on this hybrid loop. And so you may not know any different. Um, but we even find it epigenetically. Like if I, if I'm a, a woman who's carrying a child and I'm traumatized from my childhood. And then while I'm pregnant, then that baby, even before it comes out of the womb is already subjected to all that, you know, cortisol, you know, and they're, Mm -hmm. they're already traumatized and it just goes and goes and goes. So when you said that, you know, um, this sort of history or, you know, pattern uh, it's a, it's a fight, right? Every day. Every day is a fight because it's hard to rewire your brain as an adult. that's essentially what you're asking your brain to do. Mm -hmm. It's not impossible um, with the right experiences and such. And again, because you also have more of ability to make a conscious choice. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a key piece of it too.
0: Right. Yeah. But they, you know, it gets me back to um, this idea of some sort of filter or something like what. Like I, I mentioned, I, I picked up on that sense of powerlessness, but yeah. what is it that is, allows me to make those conscious choices versus the person who's like, you know what, this is the way I've always been. I'm not changing and you couldn't pay me to change. I'm content with this.
1: Yeah. I don't know that I have an answer for that. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Um what it is in you you know biologically speaking or even experientially, what is making that difference? Yeah uh, you know what what made you choose essentially how do I sorry, how do I not continue on this path? Um, if it was made for you because you don't like the feeling, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that either. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that, because if you're not healthy, if you're not feeling good about yourself, how are you going to treat anybody else very well? You simply can't. So you have to get to, you know, you have, you deserve to do that. You deserve to feel okay. Um, and so maybe it was that maybe you finally, at some point had some moment of self-esteem where it doesn't sound like that's a big trait of yours is having whippy high <laughs> self-esteem, you know, <laughs> you should. Um. But, you know, I think you see these things in yourself that other people don't. And that, that to me, it reminds me a lot of just having depression. Depression Mm -hmm. is when your own voice is sort of like, you know, you're just, you know, you're comparing yourself to other people. You're just not as good. You're not as smart. You're not as, and people always say, well, it sounds like you're imitating schizophrenia. I'm like, no, Mm -hmm. because with depression, your own yourself is often telling yourself that you're just not right you're not worthy you're not successful you're not whatever it is So it's almost like you're you you are fighting with yourself mm-hmm. to get yourself to this place
0: Yeah I relate to all of that <laughs> I bet <Yeah>. you do. <laughs> yeah. And and this is and I mean I'm not trying to turn this into our my personal therapy. No, 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 like no it's but not. No, I'm it's just. Good because, no, the listener just needs to realize like I'm I'm very open and upfront about you know uh, who I am and and where I'm trying to be. But
1: I think by doing this, you're also humanizing these these other instances. Yes. So that we realize these are human beings who are struggling and suffering and we're all human. When we make decisions that hurt other people, it's not because we came into this world, whatever, whatever, you know, the newspaper likes to label these people. Um, Unfair. There's something that's, that's gone on. Give that, understand that developmental piece and what exactly happened. Uh, So that's your story is just, And you as a person are are just relatable and open, which I think that's the problem is people aren't. Hmm. And no one wants to understand some of this stuff, right? They just kind of want to be, or just don't talk about it. Like you said, just, no, I don't want to know. No, just come to me when you're sunshine and rainbows, but let's don't talk to me otherwise. Right. Life isn't like that. Um, And, and people are, hurt all over the place. Everybody has a story and the stories that these shooters could tell are, I think people would be very taken aback. I mean, we had the, the guy, uh, in Chardon, uh, Ohio, and, uh, he was locked in his bedroom every night after school with no food. You didn't notice people that he lost a significant amount of weight. He didn't notice that he was mad all the time. He didn't know like how his dad was in prison. He lived with his, I mean, it was just heinous, his life. But at the end of it all, no one knows this. Only those of us studying these things and digging into this stuff know exactly what that kid went through before that day. Otherwise he's just mean and he's a neo-Nazi and he's this and they, no, that's not who he was.
0: Right. Um, so keyword is human. He was a human.
1: He sure was. And And there was a girl, it's interesting. There's a news story and the girl, the uh, lady, you know, sticks a mic in her face. You know how they do that. These poor kids are evacuating the building and they're right there, you know, and he says something to the girl and the girl says, I just wish I would have talked to him more. I mean, he was my friend. I wish I would have sat by him more. And I wish I would have, they didn't, they isolated him because he became angry and because he can't, you know, just like you're talking about. Where people say, don't, don't, mm-mm, I don't wanna talk right. about it. I don't, don't come around when it's not peaches and cream. That's so unfair. We should be able to experience every emotion, and the people that care about us and the people responsible for us during the school day or work day should yeah. understand that and try to do something about it. But it doesn't happen all the time.
0: It doesn't. One other hurdle I'd like to jump over with you: um, yeah. men versus women. <laughs> as far as uh, the way they react, respond to anger, and how it progresses, um, is there a difference?
1: Well, you know, there's some misconceptions with that. Um, okay. It depends, but in general, men do withhold their emotions. In fact, when we do, if you if if there's a therapist who does therapy with with a male, we've oftentimes said, you know what, you need to take. You need to do action therapy. Don't stare the boy, you know, if it's a young boy in the eyes and say, tell me how you're feeling or the man. Tell me how you're because they're going to pull right back, stiffen up like, I don't know. You tell me how I'm feeling yeah, because you don't really know because you maybe societally you've been told not not to. depends on your household, but for the most part, it's not cool, right? right? It's not which is why we have, so there's a higher percentage of males as first responders in general, right? Mm -hmm. Just in general, statistically, I would guess more male police officers, more male first responders, and uh, also a high suicide rate, right? No Mm -hmm. coincidence there. You're seeing terrible things all the time and you're not talking about it. Mm -hmm. And so that is painful. So then on the other hand, you might have the females who may express it a little bit more, may feel a little bit more open, um, certainly express their emotions outwardly a little bit more. But um, when it comes to anger and aggression, the misconception is that it doesn't, it, it doesn't really happen like this. People will say there really aren't a lot of, say, mass shooters that are female.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But there are. <laughs> there really are. Um, what ends up happening is uh. It's described as a family dispute or a domestic dispute or um, a love triangle gone Mm -hmm. wrong or whatever. It's the way the news is feeding it to us that makes us believe that, oh, this emotional woman lost her temper because her man was with this. Well, men do the same thing, but it's called a rampage shooting when they do it. When a woman does it, it's totally labeled differently. There was a woman who went to her former fiance's wedding, who was marrying someone else with a truck and killed about, I think it was like 65 people, a female. So she was pissed. She was angry. Yeah. We also have had, um, you know, one of the first school shooters that people can remember is the girl who was lived across from her school and shot the principal and someone else just from across, across the way. Just because, and that was where that there's that song. I don't like Mondays when they interviewed her. She literally said, I don't, I don't like Mondays. Mm-hmm. So it was like, why did you do that? I don't like Mondays. Like what? You know? So it does happen again. It's in, and, and what's terrifying to me Well, we had the case in Toledo, we had the girl, um, who was writing to Dylan roof in Charleston after he, you know, shot up the church and she was like one of three people he would write back to. And thankfully someone reported that he knew the guy that she was hanging out with and that, that guy had changed since meeting her. And Mm -hmm. so some tip led them to this girl who had an arsenal of weapons. Mm -hmm. So we don't like to think that for some reason that, that, Oh, you know, but think of when you think of how many women have, have killed their own children, it's, Terrifying, yeah. You yeah. know, if you think about that, even that's terrifying, and that's the one thing you would think is just wouldn't happen, and mm-hmm. it does. So if that's happening, you bet all this other stuff is happening too. Um, we we can no longer let that misconception continue because we're going to. If that happens, we're going to be missing a whole lot of opportunities to do a risk assessment and actually reach somebody before it gets to be too late yeah they're out there (laughs) yeah
0: when it comes to suicide is there um a difference in men versus women i mean because we we mentioned like first responders or like military and whatnot um high suicide rates yeah but overall um is there is there a a difference women attempt
1: suicide more often okay males are Males complete suicide more because males choose more lethal means like weapons, right? And so a female might, and hanging, uh, but females may um, choose medication, Tylenol even, you know, because that can be lethal. I'm sure you know more than I do about that piece of it. Uh, Less lethal means they give more because they're used to speaking about emotions. They give more signals to us. And that attempt may be just a signal, but on both sides of it, survivors of suicide attempts, whether male or female, say the minute they either pulled the trigger or did whatever and survived that second, they regretted it. They regretted it. Um, but yeah, statistically speaking, we do, we see more attempts in females. Yeah. And, so, uh, suicide is just said to be the second leading cause of death in 10 to 24 year olds. Um, I think it's the first mm-hmm. in 10 to 24 year olds and, and statistics tell me otherwise.
0: Very. Young. And I
1: think so because think about it, how many obituaries do you read that say died by suicide? Very unusual Very because unusual. it's still so stigmatized and so taboo I don't think we have an accurate handle on how often it really does happen. Mm-hmm. And then how many drug overdoses are deemed accidental rather than
0: intentional intent.
1: Cause it's hard to tell sometimes,
0: right? you know,
1: so for the family's sake, often they like to say it was accidental, mm-hmm. you know, so the family doesn't feel like, Oh my gosh, what could I have done? What should I have done? And oftentimes there's nothing, you know, and we say suicide's preventable. I, I don't like, dropping that message off and just leave like, Hey, you know, suicide's preventable people who know the signs can save a life. Yes, they can, but men especially are going to just put that mask on in the morning Mm -hmm. that everything's good. Or they just like, you talk about anger in males, anger or depression looks like anger a lot, Mm -hmm. a lot, because again, I don't know how to use a word to describe how I'm feeling. If I say sad and frustrated or what is that? What's that going to make me look like? Weak. Yeah. yeah. It's terrible, but it's the, you know, and I, like I said, I think of my own uncle who was, wasn't weak at all. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and when I hear that, I, I understand the message that, you know, the suicide foundation is trying to put out and so on, but you know, to keep your eyes and ears open, that's important. But I think there should be that caveat that's in there that says, look, if it happened to someone you love and you just didn't know, it's not your fault Mm. because we have so many people carrying around parents, spouses, loved ones, you know, I yeah, gosh, I read here that I could have done something. What should I have done? Nothing. If they don't tell you, there's nothing you can do. Mm. So
0: it's hard to hear
1: conversation. I think what, you know, you're talking about these key words, like, you know, powerlessness, even hopelessness is terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, so those things, you know, and frustration, and I just think more conversation about these things would be so powerful, but I don't know when we'll get there. I don't know. Have you gone through CIT training at all?
0: Not officially. No.
1: Yeah. Cause I do the fundamentals of mental health piece on Monday morning on that. And I okay. try to talk a lot about this stuff. Like, and I squeeze in a lot of the, Hey, you need to take care of yourselves as a reminder before you can do all this, make sure you're okay. And I understand why you're not okay. And I actually put up a chart that says you're not okay because of this, 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 and there's all these things that you're <laughs> responsible for as men and in your job in life. And, and these expectations for your emotions, like this is okay. This is what you're carrying with you. Um, so please get help if you need it, you know, open, open up about it. And a lot of times the guys are looking at me like, uh, uh-huh, sure. <laughs>
0: no. <Nope. Yeah. laughs> <laughs> <Nice laughs> well, Let's nice. go there. Um, yeah. Seeking help. What's the first step somebody could do?
1: Well, I think it's acknowledging that uh, it's okay. That um your brain, like any other organ, is an organ. And, you know, people, if they're having a heart attack, like I think I'm having a heart attack, most mm-hmm. people are like, oh my gosh, I better call 911 or honey call nine one one. And they do. Mm-hmm. But if they're having an acute feeling of depression, it's like, oh, what what is what do I do? And again, that's just your brain being wired the way it is. And, you know, these responses that it's having, and um, we just have to first acknowledge that. And and a good rule of thumb, people often say, how do I know if I need help? Well, if whatever you're dealing with is enough, and you know this, to, to have a detrimental impact on your ability to go about your business on the daily, like go to work, do it well, not have a lot of disagreements or arguments and and you can do that every day successfully, then you're okay. But if whatever it is, is disrupting relationships, work, and so on, then you have the right to get help because you know that your brain is doing some kind of dance that you don't want it to do. Um, But, you know, we have good local resources. We, I mean, People in crisis obviously can call the suicide prevention hotline. I think it's 1-800-273-TALK. They're constantly there. And I think you can text HELP to 741-741 if you're in that position. There are a lot of good apps too. Uh, I don't know if, I think the app is still around. It's called PTSD Coach. It's really cool because it'll walk you through your emotions. Like today I'm feeling... um, particularly stressed
0: mm-hmm.
1: in my PTSD is getting to me. And then, you know, it, it'll open up options. It'll suggest, take a walk, do this, do this. And then you can read through it and it'll say, did you try one of these? Did it work? No. And it'll take you to the next level and then the next level. And if you're just so distraught that day, it will give you referrals in your area of who you need to go to oh, wow. and right away if you need to. Um, so There's nothing wrong with technology as a, as sort of a helper that doesn't take the place of therapy, but it's certainly there to give you an idea, like, like lets you rate how you're feeling and gives you an idea because even with you and I don't, again, I just met you, but your job
0: as a first job, right. I'm a firefighter paramedic, right?
1: Honestly, you're a firefighter paramedic and you're, when you're doing your job, you're in job mode, Mm
0: -hmm. right?
1: And then it doesn't matter what you responded to the next day. If you're on, you're on. You got to do it again and do it again. So I have no doubt that some of your anger, I mean, I, again, I'm not diagnosed. <laughs> I don't want to get <laughs> in right, trouble. Right. I'm not doing it. Can't do it. This isn't a telehealth call. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's a lot to carry. What you see in PTSD is literally... You know, by definition, it's being in a situation where death was involved, right? Or the likelihood of death and there was nothing you could do about it. That's PTSD. And then it Mm -hmm. starts to eat away at you. And my guess is that those when those thoughts come in your head, you just go like that, like swatting a bug out of your way.
0: Yeah, you get desensitized. Right.
1: Yeah. 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 And even if they start rearing up, it's like, nope, I'm gonna go do this now instead. Or I'm just going to sit here and watch TV. And if somebody comes and talks to me, I'm going to scream because I have all this going on. So, yeah, I just, there are a lot of people walking around that are just struggling. And I, my mind, every time I see something like last night, the the parade in Wisconsin, where yeah. somebody drove right in there, my thought is always, oh, my God, not just the, the people, but people, the first responders You know they're talking about children. I can't even imagine on the regular seeing that stuff, and so you are entitled to your emotions, right? So you are entitled to have those feelings. You are definitely entitled, and you just have to figure out how do I do it in such a way that it doesn't. How do I work through these so they don't hurt me uh, continuously? You're entitled to that, and you're not. You're not somehow damaged because this stuff can just eat away at you. understandably so.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I think you know I think of even the school shootings when we do post incident analyses and we're going through photos and you know you get you can you can access photos and videos or whatever, mm. they're terrible.
0: yeah
1: but but I have the luxury of closing my computer screen or walking away for a minute where right. you don't.
0: So yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. but that's where I'm at I mean that's what you know like I said before i'm I'm open um, yeah you should I let be. people know where I'm at and you should be I think for me the most important thing is just having this conversation mm-hmm. about anger mm-hmm. and what where how to react respond and and how to yeah. help other people and what we should do about it
1: yeah yeah and like you said normal yeah darn right it's normal to feel angry and we need to normalize mental health and treatment seeking and things are taboo to the extent sometimes i feel like we're back in you know historical medieval times Well, let's just drill a hole through his head and see if mm-hmm. the evil spirits fly out doesn't work like that you know and we you have to have that outlet and you in and, and so whoever it is that's telling you go away while you're mad you know you have the right to say it listen I'm struggling here can you please just hear me out right Um, yeah you know and they'll say maybe don't make excuses I'm not I'm trying to tell you what I'm feeling and we do that a lot we want to know but then we don't want to know know, what's going on with you I don't want to know you're making an excuse no let that person sort of open up because if you don't have an outlet then all kinds of bad things can happen like what we're talking about right Um, so I uh, appreciate, you have no idea how much I appreciate you just saying, this is who I am. and yep. this is what I'm struggling with. And in doing so and being a male, in being a first responder, letting other people in that same position realize that it's okay for them too. Like, oh, especially those, you know, who are in other jobs, like, whoa, that dude is a first responder. And I work at a desk. Um, if he's open about it. I can be open about it, you know, um, which I think we need more of that, you know, more I agree. people to
0: make connections. Yeah. I'm glad we could connect. I know. <laughs> this was great. I know. And
1: Serena's like, this is a friend of mine, which, you, you know, would you be willing to, to, you know, reach out about potentially doing this? I said, uh, sure. Any yeah. friend of hers is a friend of mine. You better believe it. I'm ready. Yeah, And likewise,
0: <laughs> so, likewise. So, yeah. um, this has been fantastic. Um, I think we covered a lot of things, yeah. <laughs> a lot of heavy stuff. Um, yeah. Is there anything that you would like to leave this with? Um, any like type of um, reach out type things I can just put in the show notes. Yeah, I'll so, put some uh,
1: things in there. I'll put some, you know, I mentioned a couple, or I mentioned an app. I can put access to that app in there yep. uh, and just some other links where you might have some resources uh, that'll help you a little bit.
0: Right. Yeah, I I can do all that. Um, Do you have any closing thoughts? Um, One of the keywords that I have circled here is um, human, just humanizing other people.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Do you have anything
0: uh, that you wanted to close with as far as humanizing other people?
1: Yeah, just understand that, you know, if we were uh, robots or computers, well, they sometimes have issues too, but you know, we are not things we are beings with emotions and feelings and, and wiring and chemicals and all these things going through our body that that's kind of what makes us who we are. And to, to expect that every one of us is walking around every day, perfectly content. Uh, and, and everyone's had this white picket fence life is, is, it is inhumane in a sense, because then you're not going to understand everyone else's path and and their journey and sort of what took you or what took them where they are today. So um, yeah, make sure that you are recognizing the humanity in other people and, and treating them with the respect and dignity that everybody deserves. Sounds
0: good. I appreciate (laughs) it. I love it. Sure. so, well, thank yep. you very much. Like I said, I'll, I'll add a bunch of stuff into the show notes. Okay. Um, okay. And uh, if anybody needs to reach out, uh, okay. we'll be able to find the uh, correct resources.
1: Yeah. I mean, if, and I can even leave you, you know, you can share my email address okay. too. If anybody has any questions or anything at all, I'm, I'm open. I'm good. No sure. fee or anything.
0: I mean, I, <laughs> no. well, I appreciate anything, it. Any,
1: if they need any resources, you know, that I'm not providing or something that they're curious about, I can do that.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you very much. Sure. I, I'm so grateful uh, and thank you for your time. In closing, anger's natural. We've all been angry before. What did we need at that time? Perhaps ask yourself that question the next time you're aware you or someone else is angry. Most of the time we forget the need to be loved, feel like we belong. Sometimes anger can have some deep roots and what you're experiencing is a mature anger tree. I'm not an arborist, and I certainly do not know the best way to care for an anger tree. But I am human, and I am able to love. Love heals. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and download all the episodes for easy listening at your convenience. Streaming is also available at thisisyournormal.com. That website is brought to you by greentreemediallc.com. Visit them for all your website development needs. Also, never hesitate to reach out on social media. Episodes are available for streaming on Facebook and Twitter at thisisyournormal. And once again, Thank you so much for listening to this is your normal.